Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators. They're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them and they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Martini Celine with us, and I am so excited to have Martini with us today. He is an educator, an author. He has a new book out called A Life Worthy of Death that just came out in February. Congratulations. And I just found out today that he has a new podcast, called Shaken Not Stirred. I am really looking forward to listening to that. And maybe later on, we could talk more about uh, your podcast as well. He is a reading learning specialist at KIPP in NYC in New York and founding eighth grade ELA teacher. And his posts that he shares on LinkedIn, his joy in the classroom with his students are so inspiring. Um, So I am really excited to learn more about you and your teacher story today. So thank you, Martini. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm, I'm so honored. I really am and appreciative of anybody who allows me into their space. So thank you. Thank you. Um, what inspired you to get into education? Was it something you originally wanted to go into or did it come later in life? I actually hated education. <laughs> I'm just going to be blunt and honest. I, I can't be anything else. I, yeah. um, I hated education for the longest. I was in K-12, like, when is this thing going to be over with? <laughs> And what made it worse was my dad. He still is to this day. He's been teaching now. He's been in education for over 40 years. Yeah, he's been in education for over 40 years. I don't know why he's still (laughs) in, why he hasn't cashed in yet and and started collecting his pension. But yeah, he's been in. in, And so my dad being an educator and needing it. So it was a, it was an experience for me where I was the kid that that had the the parent that was a teacher. And so I had to get good grades. I had the expectation. The standard was way up here. So made it worse for me. But I didn't, education didn't call me until I uh, got out of the military. I did 10 years uh, in the U.S. Army. Mm. And once I got out, I went in, I used my GI Bill and and I got my undergrad in criminal justice. And I told myself, even when I was walking across the stage for to get my degree, I was like, okay, I got my degree now in criminal justice. I don't want to go into law enforcement. Okay, scratch mm-hmm. that. There's only really three fields you can go in with your criminal <laughs> justice. Three main fields. I don't want to go into law enforcement. I don't want to touch uh, uh, law or lawyer or attorney because that's just another, it's a game, really. And mm-hmm. I don't want to do corrections because I don't want to see humanity in that state. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yo, what do I do with this degree? And my buddy of mine was like, you know, you can teach, right? I said, huh, okay. <laughs> I tried it. And seven, almost seven years later, I've, I've been I've been doing it and I love it. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Well, first, I want to say thank you for your service. T- 10 years in the military. That's amazing. Um And did you first, you said you then went into teaching, did you, were you looking to teach criminal justice or were you just like, I'm going to go and teach something I'm really passionate about, like English? So that's interesting you asked that. So even initially when I I said, okay, I'm going to use this degree to go into teaching, I didn't know what subject or what content area until I started 
thinking back to what it is that really makes me light up inside mm. and and when I'm doing it and it was reading so I said hmm, all right let me jump into reading or English language arts and I found my niche that first year that first year I was a resident uh, 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 a teacher in resident and the parents that first year could not tell the difference between myself and veteran teachers mm. they couldn't they couldn't make any distinction they're like wow that's how in, in, embraced, that's mm-hmm. how much I embraced the, 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 the pedagogy and the art and the craft, but also how much I, and I tell my, I tell people this too, sometimes it's kind of like a cheat sheet that I have. I'm a father, so my father yeah. has stays on. I, I can't really take it off when I'm in front of students because I'm looking at my kids. My, I have yeah. youths as well. So I, I translate some of that fatherhood into my practice um, yeah. with classroom management, with connecting and building connections, authentic connection with kids. So yeah, yeah, reading was was it for me. I love reading. I've been reading since I've been reading. So yeah. <laughs> um, I really can connect with that because I, I've talked with many teachers about how, you know, there's that old like adage of, oh, anyone can teach. And I'm like, no, not really. Like it, it's either <laughs> a pure gift that you have or you have such a dedication to give back to community and really connect with kids. And you probably like just from hearing what you were saying, kind of have this innate gift of like knowing and maybe coming from being a father, but knowing how to connect with kids. It's so much more than the content. Like you could love the content. You have to love the content to have the kids get into it. I teach history. So like, I really got a nerd out like in the classroom for kids to get into it because most kids are right. turned off from history, but you have to really be in it to connect with kids and want to be there for them. And like you said, kind of put the parent hat on. I'm not a parent, but I've always felt like this sense of, I don't know, mo- like motherly mentorship with kids. Like ever since I was little, I started babysitting when I was very little, like 13 years old camp counselor so it's like you have that nurturing side but also know how to give tough love when you need to you know and really have the you know hold the kids accountable hold yourself accountable so I really resonate with that um are there any stories or first year or first couple year experiences you like to share about some of your lessons or your students yeah one that almost brought me to tears actually uh, I had a student third year, uh, you know, remember his name. That's how the impact mm. the impact was. He, I don't want to say trouble kid. I don't really like using terms like that, but he was, yeah, he was very charismatic. He liked to be the center of attention, like making his teammates laugh, as the as someone coined class clown. And so, one day, I uh, he asked me a question. He was like, "Why are?" Yeah, I know, you know, racism exists and all this stuff about black and white, but he's like, what really happened? Like, why are there black and white people? Hmm. And his question, I paused for a second. I heard his question, but I was going, I wanted to go deeper behind the question. Like, what made him ask that question? That's not a question that a 12-year-old or 11-year-old commonly asks, walks around and asks. (laughs) Like, what made people black and white? So... I said, you know what? Come check in on me during lunch, and I think I can I can guide you in the right direction, or I can point you in the right direction to understand. And he did. I thought he wouldn't show up, but he actually did. He came. He's like, "Hey, Celine, you know, can you know, I'm, I'm here." So I was like, "Oh, okay, all right." So I was like, "Okay, let me." <laughs> this is my opportunity to really 
you know, make the light bulb go off in his head mm. in terms of learning. So I directed him to a book that I've been reading called um, When the World Was Black by, mm. I don't remember the author's name, shame on me, but I have two, he has four volumes mm. and he walks through the historical evolution of man and he breaks down from every single ancient culture. And he, I mean, literally with pictures and details. And and mm. I told him, I said, hey, jump on this. Your life is gonna change, man. He's like, oh, and I could see in his eyes. He was just like sitting there waiting. But that for me was a moment of, okay, we're not, I, I, he, we're not in ELA right now. I'm not teaching him content. We're not doing anything academic. His mind wanted to make some kind of connection with his reality. How mm -hmm. do I? make that bridge that connection how do i enlighten him how do i you know what i'm saying illuminate his mind that's what we would do as educators we're supposed to teach kids how to think not what to think mm. and so uh that was profound for me man when i got home i was like man I, he may not have he may not have looked at that book maybe not have <laughs> ordered it you know what i mean like he's going about his business but what yeah. if he did like that's a life that i just imprinted in a way that mm -hmm. so yeah that, that almost brought a tear to my eyes like wow yeah that's those moments, like those real, like, you know, light bulb teachable moments where it's very unexpected. You're on your feet. I think that is not something every teacher can do. Like in the moment, be like, yeah. uh, uh, I, I got to go figure this out and look it up. But you're right. like, hey, let me think about this. Come back and see me. And you put yeah. the ball in his court. And then he did. And you're like, oh, okay. So now we're going to have this conversation. Right. And you had a resource <laughs> for him. And so that's that's an incredible way to really be an impactful teacher. And then the student then sees you as someone that he can go to for questions or for anything else because you actually came through and you were able to like help him with this curiosity and had nothing to do with the class. Very profound for a 12 year old and mm. such a big question. And it reminded me of another book I read a couple of years ago called Sapiens very mm. dense book we've used some of it in our history class but it does the same thing it goes through like the whole evolution of humans and everything it does deep dive into race and just like a lot of it even like at the end is more about the constructs of everything we <laughs> create reality it's not just like literally natural right, you know right. <laughs> so if we can create these things that don't work for us can we just get rid of them. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we're trying to combat. Like we, you know, as humans have created things like racism and discrimination. So let's try to create a new reality. Like it's not yeah. this natural phenomenon. Right, and right. kids, when they're young, you know, I teach in high school, so they get a little kind of apathetic and kind of jaded, you know, through the way yeah, but when yeah, they're yeah. still like <laughs> in that middle school age. They yeah. are curious. Like I taught middle school for a bit. And they ask all kinds of questions. Like you can tell they're really, really interested in like learning truth. You yeah, know, like I want to yeah. dive into truth. Like they're already picking up that, that they're not getting all the information or they don't have everything, you know, at their fingertips. So that's really cool. Yeah. You had that conversation with him and those moments too. I don't know for you, but when I've had moments like that with students, that's when you're like, ah, oh, this is why I do what I do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It is. It is. When you have those hard days. Yeah. No. Real talk. That that was for me. Like I said, I almost shed a tear. Like I just impacted a human's life in yeah. a way that I probably never know. And but the hope or the intent behind it was that his mind expands beyond 
his immediate reality and what he's living and what's not making sense around him. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then his real education, he's probably going to come back to find you one day right. <laughs> and talk to you about that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of hard times and having those moments that keep us in this, you know, good fight of teaching. Um, how was the <laughs> pandemic for you? Were you teaching at that time or just in general? Like, how was it? So pandemic hit 2020 or the earlier part of the, of the year, we were, at, I was preparing myself. I wasn't, well, let me say I wasn't preparing myself. I was gearing myself up to start transitioning everything to digital from paper because I was over grading papers then taking papers home to grade I was done with it I was like no I'm not doing this anymore coming home yeah. with, I mean stacks you I know you know yeah. stacks yeah no I can't this can't be no this cannot be it <laughs> and so I was doing everything to kind of slowly integrate myself into the online platforms digital platforms and when the pandemic hit I was actually doing some online virtual lessons on Saturdays because the network I work for, we do Saturday school. So I was mm-hmm. doing virtual education or virtual teaching on Saturdays. And so when it hit, I was like, oh, we're doing this not one day, but five days. Cool. Let's go. And <laughs> okay. So you had set. some practice. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was, I was in it and my colleagues who weren't like really, I guess, seeing my example or trying to, they were, they, it was really hard for them. So I became a resource for them to help them with certain platforms like Nearpod, or um, there was another one that we used, Google Classroom, mm-hmm. um, uh, No Red Ink, all these different platforms, online platforms. And um, so it was it was pretty decent for me. And so what I did was, because of the strong connection that I built with students in the year prior when we were in physical or in person, I just took that and found a way to make it uh, applicable online. I would go in and put filters on and become a potato one day. And then the next day I was a horse. And yeah, just thinking outside when I say outside of the outside of the box outside of the outside of the box like I was Mm. just going meta with it when it came when it came to the online uh, learning and it worked for me man that first year I had kids sending me zoom recorded videos hey Mr. Lee you made this year so great even though we're online and this and that and oh man I'm gonna I'm just like wow geez (laughs) that's incredible because that's yeah, I don't often hear that side of it at all. Yeah. I hear many, and myself included, like, oh my gosh, it was such a challenge. And you really kind of stepped in and said, I'm going to make this fun and really engaging and interactive because, yeah, it sucks to be at home and be like on a screen all day, and yeah. especially with middle school students right. too. Like you really want to make it interactive. And I use some of those platforms too. Like the Nearpod was pretty pretty fun because it could be yeah. interactive with taking polls and then doing yeah. like different videos and um I did one like around the election and not necessarily the candidates but just like voting and civics and there were like all these different poll questions and they really liked it they're like oh that was actually a really fun like election or civic lesson and I had no idea how it was gonna go you're kind of stumbling along you're like well let's try this on and <laughs> yeah. I said going into that year um like when it was the the full year 2020 to 2021 I'm like this, this is going to be an experiment I don't know we'll just yeah. it kind of was playful like you're like we're all going to mess up like many times both yeah. teachers and students so why don't we just have grace with one another and just figure it out on on our own and kids had a lot of grace I don't know if you noticed yeah. that but they had a lot of grace for teachers I mean they they knew we were trying and like really trying to make it as fun interactive learning experience as possible and I felt like in many of those moments just because 2020 was so hard 
on so many levels right. that they, um, even though it was virtual, they really kind of leaned on teachers, at least the ones that maybe they felt connected to, yeah. to share and open up and talk about some things. Um, I had a lot more time one-on-one -on -one with students too, because of this. Mm. And so, yeah, I felt, I felt actually uh, more of a connection <laughs> with them, even though we were virtual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that's it's really interesting. And, and and even so, even with those platforms, um, the school that I was think and I don't know, I've just been blessed with the network that I've been working with. They found ways to still make in person connectivities or connections. So we'd have certain activities at the school. Uh, for instance, we had a millionaires club where kids using AR, the platform called AR, I'm sure you know that the, the mm -hmm. platform, uh, kids who, who have read a million words or more joined this club, it's called Millionaires Club. And so we have parties for them, we throw parties for them, but at the school. So if you, became, if you became a millionaire, you had to go to the school, drive to the school and all the staff, everybody masks up and everything yeah, yeah. in front of the school lined up with suppliers. Oh and, yeah, I remember seeing videos like that. And, yeah. and all types of wow. just amazing. We, we tried, the principal was a school leader at that school amazing uh leader and it was her of course in operations and, and just the staff the lt staff and as a whole made sure like okay all right we're, we're at home but let's try to figure out a way to come together as a family i loved it man so yeah that's awesome yeah. yes yeah. i love that some schools really did that well i remember seeing lots of vid videos online about doing like the parades or as much as you can yeah. like pep rally or special events like even if it was like a parade of cars or just right. socially distanced and mass like just being able to be on campus at some point or just be in person. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my last part I always talk about and get into, and this is really like the area where I want teachers to shine and, and share their ideas for education. So I don't know if this stems from anything you've learned from the pandemic or seeing this time as maybe kind of a door or gateway to what we can learn and improve in education, but any ideas you have for like what you'd like to see in education or the future, particularly like in our country? I, I often think about that question, even before this podcast, and I saw the question, the list of questions that you sent me, just to have my mind uh, prepped for that, and I appreciate that. I, I like to know things as much as I can before I, I engage in it. That question is very complex, but it's simple at the same time. And I want to touch the simplicity of it. So... A number of things has education where it is right now. And I don't know if you saw this article the other day. Um, who is it that's proposing higher wages for teachers mm -hmm. in the coming mm -hmm. in the coming in the coming? It's years? A, a congressperson. Yeah. Congressperson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. saw that article and I was like, mm -hmm. it's really simple. Fund schools, fund educators well enough so that we can do and provide serve or serve our babies the best that we can mm -hmm. and also remove barriers that are actively creating the disparities in education that already exists. Mm -hmm. One of them, the one that every last educator that it will, if, if you watch this podcast, you see it, you hear it, mm -hmm. will agree standardized testing oh, yes <laughs> it's the worst 
Yeah. I, I, I know <laughs> why. I know why it exists. I know why it's there. And I get it. But it's like, for me, it, it it's the, the crux of most, if not the bulk of why our education system pales or it's it's where it's at um on the totem pole when it comes to the rest of the world like there's not many countries that are doing this stuff and 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 they're excelling so like it's not reinventing the wheel it's saying okay what's working for you all right if it's working for you let's try it Mm -hmm. It doesn't work for us cool what's working for you okay let's try it but it's we're so sit you know we're so settled and, and so entrenched in our way of doing things when it comes to education that I think reforms like the one that's being proposed for teachers getting paid and then maybe a lot more localized or unionized uh, uh, teacher unionized teacher unions unionizing more strongly not mm-hmm. just in the north but in the south as well in the midwest and yeah. the east and the west and um organizing for that but yeah there's it's there's so many different things that we need to tackle but I think the biggest thing is funding that's the really that's the most important thing areas that schools but again it's all connected so we can't fund you if you're you don't meet the standard okay mm-hmm. well, the standard is not really working for us because this is not a demographic that really can't you know what I'm saying so it's like it's a, it shouldn't it's be tied together anyways it shouldn't no, <laughs> no. But it's a web that's just so, I'm telling you, since the last, since I started teaching, I've just been observing this and taking in the info and taking in the data and the stats. And I'm like, okay, people, do you not see how it's interconnected? But it's not, it's not supposed to be connected this way, you know? So yeah, it's a multifaceted. I couldn't tell you, but the, the, the where I would start specifically would be funding for schools. And so, yeah. Yeah. And that should be in the State of the Union address that was last night. And there's never really a top priority for education or funding. (laughs) It doesn't matter what political party, what president, it just never is. Never Never. And you would think with all so many teachers leaving and just so many, you know, schools going through like emergency hires or not enough resources and all of that, like that would be something you would put in your bill, like your funding bill. And like, it should be like, we should be dumping trillions of dollars into that instead of always like into other things that you know are not helping us and I agree like you know money is the foundation of everything and if you want schools to innovate and have really great innovative teachers and passionate teachers you have to pay for those teachers salaries and you have to pay for the resources in the school to have innovation and innovation is not just technology but it's also like the upkeep of school grounds and buildings and creating spaces that are more about creativity and innovation. You think about all the companies in America, we are an innovative society. Like all of the, all of the companies in the world that, you know, are like what everyone uses, right? Google, Apple, Microsoft, all of these companies are in America and they're all about innovation and our schools don't really match it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, but we we want the schools to be that foundation for innovation and like creativity and really fostering this like curiosity, like your student you talked about, so that we can continue to thrive and have, you know, these leaders come into different spaces, whether that's in business, science, politics, whatever that may be. Right. But it's just, yeah, it's cyclical. It just keeps going around, and 
I'm so grateful that there's a congressperson finally like saying, no, we're going to, we need to do this. There needs to be like this big jump in salary across the board, whether that, you know, goes anywhere or gets approved. That's like one thing. But I think another big thing with funding is our tax system. It's yeah. just the whole way schools are funded. It doesn't work because it just is built, building in inequity because it's yeah. all based on local and state taxes. Yeah. And they're so drastically different. Like we yeah. are more fortunate in like the Northeast taxes are really high, right. which kind of stinks when you're paying them, but right, right. we tend to have schools that have more resources and the salaries for teachers tend to be Reflect you know, that. higher. Yeah. 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 And then down South or Midwest taxes are really low and the schools don't have enough resources. I talked to a teacher at the beginning of this year, she started the school year off. And there wasn't even paper, like they didn't even have enough paper in like the the faculty lounge to make copies, like to start the school year, you wow. know. And you know, even though we want to go more digital, like you you still need basic supplies, like yeah, paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's so it's very very different. And yes, yeah, standardized testing it doesn't really show anything, and it's all about competition. And then all it does is whatever you know, local governments, state governments, federal governments deem like failing schools, they don't ever get better because it's all tied to standardized testing. When I taught at a school, a title one school in Hawaii, we were under no child left behind. We were a restructuring school. The whole time I was there, we stayed a restructuring school. Nothing changed with test scores because our population was a growing ESL population. Mm. With students coming from all over the Pacific Right. They weren't proficient in English. Right, right. Instead of putting money into maybe a program to help them, like double up on English or have like a transition school, right? To give them and then give them time to take the test. They had to be here one year, and they took the same standardized test. I'm like, wow. that doesn't make any sense at all. And then the schools stay in that category, and they then have to pay for resources out of their own budget to oh, pay budget, for whatever. Right professional development <laughs> and it's like yeah, yeah right, right do right. anything so yeah do it with standardized testing because if you want to be about innovation it's more about like pbl right like project-based yeah. learning yeah. real world application um not a singular multiple choice test like i teach yeah. an ap class and i'm like because i love psychology and that's how i got to teach psychology but i can go on about ap classes as well as the same thing it's like just <laughs> teaching to a test basically <laughs> which kills your joy for teaching and it learning it does gosh oh my goodness it does and and it made me actually that i i'm gonna say it because this is i actually walked away from education last year i was done i, I walked away right before testing season april and I was done. I threw my hat. I joined the the great teacher migration folks, and mm -hmm. I went back into corporate America, and uh, as an HR manager, an executive HR manager. And then after about six months, I got the itch. I was like, "Yo, yeah, leading adults, those who lead adults, hats off to you. Mm. I appreciate you in HR specifically, or just in any management managerial position or any or capacity. Mm. I my hats off to you, but I can't do it." <laughs> totally it. different right oh yeah. i can't do it i can't do it um so i say yeah let me jump back into the trenches man but this time let me go to a region i've never taught in i've never been i've taught in the south mostly or predominantly and so i said let's go to the north and i'm up here now in nyc and you like it's it much i i yeah. love it 
I yeah. love it. Like you said, if, where there are areas where taxes are higher or people are paying more into the community yeah. or into the, 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 the local governing resources, you see the difference. And yeah, we have resources for days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. And the KIPP school system is wonderful. We have it, it also is. in Philadelphia and I have yeah. some future friends who are in the, in the schools and they love it. it they're just, nice. they do so much for kids, you know? And I think they're also very supportive and appreciative of the educators they have. And they want really talented and passionate educators, you know, yeah, that yeah. are in it for the right reason. So I think that that's great that you found this place, but that's an awesome story that you left because everyone was feeling burnout from the pandemic and like, well, <laughs> let me try out corporate. And it pulled you, you know, it pulled out your heart to go back. Like it, it is that kind of profession, not for all, but for some yeah. that really have it, you know, in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for oh, coming on the you. show and sharing your this story and ideas. Yeah, this was a I really enjoyed it. Was a treat. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me. I really enjoyed talking with you. You're just very honest and genuine and um you have this again real authentic sense of who you are and being a teacher and that's I love having these conversations with you know people who are really like passionate and in it for the right reasons and I'm so excited for your book thank you um and your podcast I definitely want to listen to that is there any more you want to share about the work that you're doing and I'll link your information in the show notes as well yes I'm, I'm kicking off I just sent the paperwork off to the state of New York I'm kicking off a nonprofit called Amazing Never Normal. Uh, it's mm-hmm. off the my it's off my one of my Angelos uh, quotes that says, "If you're always trying to be amazing, you'll never know. If you're always trying to be normal, you'll never know how amazing you can truly be." Mm-hmm. And and so it's it's a, a nonprofit that fosters and cultivates the full human potential in young brown and black youth uh, in inner city or underserved communities. Uh, by exposing them to the vocational skills, uh, blue collar work, so plumbing, welding, electrical, mm-hmm. HVAC, all the different things that keeps a society structural yeah. uh, 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 element uh, sustained. And so, yeah, it, it's it's hopefully I'll, I'll be getting some word back from the state next month or at the end of this month in terms of whether or not the 501c3 is approved, which is going to get approved. And then in March, we're going to start getting things going with crowdfunding and and, and mm. resources and stuff like that and fundraising. So amazing, never normal. And you can find my uh, Instagram uh, handle is amazing, never normal, all one word, underscore 31. Um, and the website will be going up uh, maybe if not next week, the week after. And so all of that will be on my okay. socials. And so, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I didn't know about that either. You are doing like so many different projects right now um, and all good work. I'm trying to leave a legacy for my kids. So, and there's, yeah. and there's. So. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Martini. This has been a pleasure. And um, I can't wait to chat again and see your progress through all of these endeavors. This is awesome. I will definitely keep you updated. Come on. We, we on LinkedIn together. Come yes. on, we're connected. Oh, yeah. We're, we'll be following following each other's work. Well, thank you so much and have a great day. You do the same. You do the same. Thank you for listening to The Teacher's Story. If you like this story, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also follow this podcast on YouTube and subscribe and leave a comment. All reviews help this podcast keep going and elevating teacher voices.